Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where each and every day I bring on new business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres. Keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Scott Clum on the line, and he's co-founder and chief engineer over at Rank One Computing. Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, and thanks for having me. So first off, I have to throw this out there, go green. Yeah, go white. <laughs> Come on, Sparty on. That's what I like to say. I love to bring Spartans on here and connect, um, and I'm excited to get into also what you're doing over at uh, Rank One Computing and how you're helping your clients. Um, but before we do that, other than going to the amazing school of Michigan State University, <laughs> um, tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got started. Yeah, happy to. So, uh, yeah, I got my undergrad and graduate degrees in computer science at Michigan State. Uh, I actually started uh, as a pre-med major. Uh, you know, parents always pushing you to be a doctor or something fancy like that. Um, ended up getting an internship at uh, Walter Reed. Actually, they have, so if you've heard of the Army Hospital, they have a research wing as well. Um, and so I was doing that thinking I could get some, you know, biology or medical experience. Um, ended up working on a project involving traumatic brain injury, TBIs. Uh, and we were doing it in a rat model, but basically uh, what we were doing was uh, the, the rats would be uh, exposed to actually a, a particular nerve agent called Soman, which is, is basically mustard gas. Um, and the idea is could we protect these rats with some sort of chemicals? And so what we would do is um, look at slices of rat brains, um, and based on this staining process, uh, the darker the, the part of the brain, um, the more damage it, it had uh occurred to it. So the typical system for evaluating the, the, the neurodegeneration, they called it, um, was, was sort of a clunky old, uh, really subjective system where, you, you know, you and I, Adam, would be looking at the same brain. I would say maybe this is a three damage, and then you might say it's a two. Um, so we basically made that into an algorithm using, you know, really um, basic computer vision techniques. This was before the time of deep learning and sort of the AI revolution that we're going through right now. Um, but I had a great time doing it. was really interested in, in the programming aspect, was really interested in, um, you know, being able to take a picture and kind of learning interesting statistics and, and mathematical models off of that. So going back to Michigan State that summer, swapped my major over from biology to computer science, and sort of the rest is history. He got into um, what, unbeknownst to me at the time, was, was sort of the premier active lab in the country for biometrics, so face recognition, iris recognition, fingerprint recognition, in addition to some other things. I actually went into the lab thinking that I would be working on medical image analysis, but the, with my uh, advisor, Dr. Jane, said, no, we've got this great face, face recognition project um, for you to work on. So, you know, got into that, ended up meeting both my two co-founders uh, in that lab. We worked for a defense contractor in D.C. for a little while. Um, but then ended up leaving that and, and starting rank one. And, um, you know, so my, my life's passion has been computer vision and doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I think that's a great transition. Let's go further along the lines. Um, tell us more about our rank one computing. Yeah, so we're um, a small facial recognition algorithm dev shop. So 
uh, basically we, we make what's called a software development kit, an SDK. Um, so uh, for those listeners that are, you know, familiar with this sort of thing, you know, you can have like the Java SDK to write things in the Java language. We provide an SDK that allows customers to use our face recognition algorithm. So somebody can make, you know, a mobile app with using our face recognition algorithm as a back end, um, can make, you know, really anything. Our, our kind of claim to fame is that um, our algorithms are highly scalable. Uh, we're actually probably the only provider in the world that really has a, an appropriate model to do face recognition on device. So normally when face recognition is set up, certainly on mobile devices, but also even on, you know, laptops or server blades, um, they're connecting back in to the, on the back end to really powerful servers. Uh, with our technology, you actually don't have to do that. You can do it all on device. That makes a lot of data privacy things much easier. You know, people can keep all their pictures locally on their phone. Um, you can imagine that's really valuable for, for government entities, but also private entities as well. Um, and within that, my role, uh, as, as I sort of alluded to, is more the algorithm development and, and more general engineering. I do some systems work, but it's a lot of algorithm development. So I get to play with fun statistical, statistical models, I should say, all day. And, and kind of make our algorithms not only the most efficient, but the most accurate and the most scalable and, and kind of take, take into consideration a lot of these things that people are concerned about right now with face recognition, which is minimizing bias, um, you know, making sure that, uh, again, that, that for every kind of demographic cohort, the, the algorithm is as accurate as it can be. Um, and that turns out to be a really interesting, um, you know, exploration of math and, and all those good things that us nerds are interested in. Let's uh, stick on that for a little bit longer. So let's talk a little bit more about the overall um, landscape of facial recognition because, it's I mean, it's becoming more and more of a hot topic when you think of things like bias and these other things. Like, how do you see all this playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it, it's important to note that face recognition is a tool. I think a lot of people assume when they hear face recognition, it's like, oh, it's 1984, you know, people can be arrested. <laughs> appearing in this camera, but that's actually, it, it really couldn't be further from the truth. Um, you know, in, in the case of forensic face recognition, you always have uh, what are called trained human adjudicators to look at face recognition results. And even that is, is only an investigative lead. It can't be presented in court. Um, and so from that perspective, I think a lot of what needs to happen with respect to face recognition is just people need to be more informed about how it's, it's used. Um, on the algorithm side, on the sort of technical side, you know, we're in the midst of maybe 10, probably about 10 years or so of just tremendous accuracy improvements, um, you know, not, not specific to face recognition, but in terms of all kind of pattern recognition problems. So there's a, a very famous um, uh, machine learning challenge called ImageNet, and in that they're trying to classify basically a thousand different kinds of pictures. So given a picture, you say, is a cow in this picture? Given a picture, you say, is a bird in this picture? And so, you know, over the course of the past 10 years, that's become tremendously more accurate, and face recognition is actually a very similar problem to that. Um, and so I really see, you know, the algorithms getting more and more accurate to the point that it becomes less of a concern with respect to are these algorithms biased? And actually, the, the whole, you know, talking point that they are biased is, is somewhat inaccurate. It's based on a study that actually um, my co-founder was the principal author on, and uh, then you know, Georgetown Law got a, got a hold of it and 
and did some good analysis, but I think omit some things. And then it's been sensationalized on top of that where um, a few people reported on Microsoft's, um, I believe it was their gender estimation algorithm being worse on, on um, black people. And that's, you know, that's not really what face recognition is. Um, but yeah, getting back to the algorithm side, I, I think that, you know, not only are we taking into consideration kind of the data we're using to make sure that there's no bodies in the data um, to the extent that we can, making sure there's no biases in the model, but then overall, just making sure that the algorithms are as accurate as possible. You know, we're dealing with these being tools for humans, and so if we can get an algorithm that's, you know, less biased than a human, then I think, unfortunately, we're seeing that a lot of that there's definitely still some bias in the law enforcement space. I think that is also overblown in that, you know, a lot of the 99% of law enforcement agents are, are, are really the kind of the cream of the crop. But for those 1%, it would be great if they, they were using tools that could kind of correct some of their own biases. So I think, I think you'll start to see that, that being more talked about. On top of that, um, you know, there, there's, there's such a, a cool thing happening in this space, in the computer vision space, in the machine learning space, which is all these techniques are becoming democratized. So you have companies like Google and Facebook who are putting out tremendous tools. Um, uh, the one that Google puts out is called TensorFlow, and the one that Facebook put, puts out is called PyTorch. And these, these are tools that if I had access to in grad school, I would have, you know, been on Wired, the cover of Wired, because you can do just such amazing things so easily and not only are the tools really robust, but the sort of the documentation and the, the how-tos around them are really fantastic. So I think the other thing you'll see is a lot more people getting into this space, not necessarily face recognition, but cool, interesting use cases for computer vision and machine learning in general. And I'm really excited to see, you know, what the next generation of scientists figures out with respect to how can we automatically quantify care cells? Can we, can we automatically detect um, optimal flight paths, uh, you know, rainforest um, degradation and that sort of thing. So there's, there's just an unlimited amount of opportunities that you can apply these these tools to, and and you know we're all just getting started with seeing even the even the smallest um, you know, products come out from that. Man, that's really exciting. And in terms of the facial recognition side, so, you know, as as this, as it becomes more accurate, um, as the algorithm get uh, more advanced, um, what do you see as uh, some, some opportunity areas in the marketplace for the application of the technology? Like, what do you see kind of on the horizon? Yeah, so... Um, so maybe, maybe first I can give sort of what, what, been, what has been the sort of past of this point. Traditionally, face recognition, as you can imagine, is used was used in, in more security settings or forensic settings where it's law, law enforcement agencies. But now we're seeing face recognition used for authentication. So, um, you know, I, I have the newest Google Pixel and on my phone, uh, it uses a, it uses face recognition. It's just verification. So it, it has a template, uh, of my face on the device and then it's just comparing against that template. Same with it. It's basically the same thing as a fingerprint. Um, but I think you'll see a lot more sort of user convenience things like that. Uh, you know, perhaps going into an, an airport or, or, you know, getting into an Uber or something like that. Um, to verify who you are, you'll just snap a picture of your face uh, as opposed to, you know, needing to do some uh, ticketing process or things like that. So I think you'll find it a lot more ubiquitous. 
Um, and of course, I think, you know, as, as this happens, there'll be a, an appropriate um, sort of, I don't want to call it pushback, but, but making sure that everybody's concerns with respect to privacy are, are um, taken into account. You know, again, Facebook and Google and, and Rank One, all, the, all these companies that are focused on these things, um, you know, have separate divisions for how do we make sure that, that none of these, this biometric information can be, can be compromised. Uh, Facebook is doing a really cool thing right now that we're, we're looking into um, that allows you to train on, to build these statistical and face recognition models on encrypted data. Um, so I think you'll see in this space both more ubiquity of face recognition and biometrics in general, also uh, a really pronounced increase in privacy such that it's much harder for anybody to even do these things people are saying might happen, haven't happened yet, but might happen. Might happen. And so building in some control to make sure that none of these bad things can't happen. That's awesome. So, Scott, if somebody's listening to this and uh, they want more information on uh, Rank 1 Computing or to, to um, reach out, what's the best for them to get that info? Yeah, you can go to Rank 1's website. It's just rank1.io. Um, and then if they want to contact me, um, of course, you know, I have an email, scott at rank1.io, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's on scoots underscore K, uh, and then that's, that's my Twitter handle. Then uh, another good way is GitHub, and, and my GitHub handle is just at sklum, my last name, S-K-L-U-M. Fantastic. So, Scott, hey, really appreciate you uh, coming on the show today and sharing more about your background and all the great work you're doing over at Rank One Computing. Um, and to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave me a review on the Apple iTunes Store. Um, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, Scott, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. Thank you.